Welcome to Speak the Truth, a podcast devoted to giving biblical truth for educating, equipping, and encouraging the individual and local church in counseling and discipleship. Hello, hello, hello. We are back. Well, really, it's just me and Shauna today. Yeah, yo, yo, yo. Yo, Hi, everybody. So, Shauna, how are you? I'm great. Good. So am I. It's awesome. Well, we have a lot to get into today, so let's not waste any time. We have a wonderful guest with us today. Shauna, you want to tell us who we got with us today? Yes, I'd love to. So we are continuing the series of Counseling Through the Psalms. I hope that you've already enjoyed the podcast that we've had, but I figured our listeners were a little sick of just listening to you and I and Jeremy. So I invited one of our uh, friends and ministry partners, Todd Harden, to join us today. And if any of you do not know who Todd is, he is the counseling pastor at Grace Baptist Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. And he's also the associate professor of psychology at the Baptist College of Florida. So he wears many hats. He's a busy man. And once he starts talking, you level two students. You might recognize his voice because he also did some of our theology videos that's in the back end classroom for our level two certification. So we're so thankful for him and to have him on. And so he has contributed to the Counseling Through the Psalms book that we did. And, um, and so he's going to just come on the podcast today. We're going to work through Psalm 77 together. So Todd, thank you so much for joining us. It's great to be here today. I wish you were here in person, but you know, I'm sure it's prettier in Tennessee, right? Than Texas. Yeah. Knoxville specifically. Right? <laughs> no, no. I, I kind of miss, I kind of miss the Dallas Fort Worth area. Uh, it's, it's really beautiful out there at certain times of the year for sure. <laughs> yeah. well, good. well, if your schedule lightens up, hopefully you can come to a conference, if not this year, next year, right? <laughs> yes, ma'am. Hopefully so. Awesome. Well, I thought we would begin this particular podcast in the way that you've uh, written it and talking about the different movements within this psalm by just starting out and reading the psalms together. And then from there, you can maybe okay. break it down for us and just kind of help us understand better, Todd, how to use this psalm in a counseling room or just in discipleship um, and whatever else insight and wisdom that you want to give us. Does that sound okay? That sounds great. Awesome. Michael, would you, for this particular podcast, since we're going to be reading the chapter, would you just open us up in prayer for all those who are listening? Yeah, absolutely. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for technology and the ability to uh, be able to to be in contact with somebody across the country and uh, glorify you and uh, for the counselors, the pastors, uh, the lay leaders that are listening to the podcast who are wanting to be encouraged and uh, cultivated. So Lord, thank you for technology and the ability to do that. And we just pray that uh, as we walk through Psalm 77 and seeing your story and understanding our story in light of your story, uh, that our scenes that you've given us uh, to glorify you. And so as we walk through this psalm, I just pray that uh, just the truth of your word uh, would enlighten our hearts and minds. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you're listening and uh, if you're listening and you have um, a place where you can just pause this real quick and go get your hard copy Bible, you can read along with us. If not, if you're running, I, I know somebody actually listens to us when he's running. <laughs> he's told me before, which is kind of fun. Uh, maybe you can just even, you know, go to the Psalms, pull your hard copy Bible out later and, um, and, and write all the notes and stuff that we're going to talk about today. But I'm going to be reading Psalm 77 out of the English Standard Version. I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. You hold my eyelids open. 
I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I consider the days of old, the years long ago. I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. Let my spirit made a diligent search. While the Lord spurned forever. Okay, so it's then my spirit made a diligent search. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You, with your arm, redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. When the waters say you, O God, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightning lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Mm. What a beautiful passage. Um, when I think of the whole passage, um, I'm reminded of, of how do we how do we use this with those we're trying to help? One of my seminary professors and a friend of ABC's for many, many years, David Powelson, who's gone on to be with the Lord, he used to say that that counseling was this interaction between two people and the Holy Spirit uh, based on the Word of God. And and he would always say when he's sitting there with, with someone, he would say, you know, he's asking himself some questions. Who is this person? What's coming at them? What's coming out of them? And what does God require of them? And so it's so important when we when we seek to apply a psalm like this, we have to ask the same types of questions. And we have to then provide a strategy in our own head, we have to we have to have an approach that will help open the person up. And so we have to remember at the, at the base of everything, biblical counseling is a pastoral function regardless. And so we have to pastor these individuals sitting across from us. I think in, uh, I believe it's Proverbs 20, verse 5 in the New American Standard Bible, it says something along the lines of the plans in a man's heart are like deep water, but a man of understanding draws them out. And what we need to be able to do as, as effective counselors is be able to draw out the story or the experience of individuals that sit across from us. Now, when we look at, at this psalm in particular, you'll see three, three basic movements. You'll see uh, the first movement, the psalmist, uh, verses, I don't know, one through six or so, the psalmist retells his story. And that's very, very important. You know, what we have to understand about the psalms, and I think, I think this was written in the uh, Pride of the Soul by Dan Allender and Tripper Longman, if I'm, I'm remembering off, off the top of my head, they, they, they said in that book that our emotions are theological statements. They tell us what we're doing with God. And the Psalms capture this so eloquently and so deeply. And in this Psalm, you see an, an individual that's, that's at the beginning of the Psalm, the beginning of his story, he's disoriented from God. Well, before we can before we can make any changes in our lives, we have to be able to admit the fact we're disoriented. Something's not right. And we see here him talking through 
asking things. He's, he's, he's upset. Lord, have, have you abandoned me? That kind of thing. Where are you, God? And we see that, that this, for him to be able to say this, he has to feel safe enough to say it, which means we have to interact with, with him or her in a certain way to give them the safety they need to be able to, 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 to reveal their deepest, darkest disappointments and fears to the Lord. But you can't move forward unless you recite your story. So that's kind of movement one. We see that in the first six verses. And then, then this is the beauty of this, of this psalm. He makes a pivot here in movement two. Movement one, he, he recites his story. In movement two, he remembers God's story. He reflects on his life, and he remembers God's past faithfulness. He asks hypothetical questions that express his greatest fears. Will God reject him forever? Has his loving kindness ceased forever? Has God forgotten him? I mean, he, he, he asks these things, and, and that tells us that this individual has a real relationship with the Lord. And you also have to understand, as a counselor, when you're sitting there, you need to think through, when a person, when a person expresses certain concerns, uh, especially during suffering, it reveals their deepest values and allegiances. Mm. It tells us what they value, what they're concerned about, and what, what they really treasure in their hearts. But see, that never occurs if you don't create a safe place for them to sit with you, as a pastor would a congregant. And so we help the person articulate that, if you will. And then the third movement is we, we see where we are in that first movement. We see what God's done. And then we look at it and we say, okay, Lord, you've been faithful from here throughout eternity, and you don't change. If you've been faithful to, to me in the past, you can be faithful again in the future. And that's where we make that pivot and that turn and head the, uh, in, the, in the right direction toward orientation back to God. Uh, he retells his story in verses 10 through 20 uh, in a way that's gospel-focused. It's gospel-centered. It, it takes his story as a small scene and puts it back into the bigger story of what God's up to in the world. And then he remembers, you know, look, you, you brought the children of Israel through, through difficult times, and you can do the same for me. So that's kind of the idea. What we want to do is we want to provide an environment where the individual feels the safety of of telling their story, and then we help them in ways, uh, in ways recall God's past faithfulness. Because Bob Kellerman once said, I believe it was in Soul Physicians, he's another friend of us, of ours uh, at ABC, he, he said, when, our, when life stinks, our God perspective shrinks. And often, <laughs> when we get people to, 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 do you remember that? When we get people to reach out to us uh, and, and have the safety to really share what's on their heart before us and God, especially, you know, we're, we're dealing with another believer. We're connected uh, through our union with Christ together. All of a sudden, it's amazing what opens up as far as the Word of God does it to what God has done, is doing, and will do. And in that in and of its very self is where hope comes from. And so then we can take them by the hand as a representative of Christ, as an ambassador of Christ, and walk them back in a direction that brings hope health and healing for them. And so I, I just think the Psalms are just a wonderful thing. And the thing about the Psalms, the reason that I wanted Shauna to read the whole thing is we need to take it as a whole unit so we see the story. Instead, so often uh, in the past as biblical counselors, we, we get really carried away with um, propositional truths, which are great, but it, it, can, it can degenerate down into do this, don't do this kind of things, and we lose the context. Of, of scripture. And in a psalm like this, if you see the whole thing, you see the movements that the counselee goes through or that, or, or that the writer goes through, but we can actually uh, map those onto the counselee's experience if we take it as a whole. 
So that's kind of that's kind of the flow. And so the general strategy is listen well, but help map the person's experience onto a psalm such as Psalm 77, and then all of a sudden God's relevance comes back to them. Uh, most of the folks that we see when they, like I said, when they come. It's not that they don't love Jesus. It's not like that they don't, they're not believers. It's just simply they're hurting so bad they can't quite see him. Uh, another friend of mine, another friend of ABC, I think I'm getting too old because I know too many people, um, Ed Welch. Ed Welch uh, once told us uh, in class that, you know, people can't, uh, suffering speaks so loudly that the sufferer can't hear you but he or she can see you. And so the way I kind of apply that here is that be with them in their story as they're relating this to you and, and, and walk with them uh, from the present story that they're bringing to you, help them see what God's doing in his redemptive work in their lives, and then help them shape a preferred story, a transformative story where they can move forward with hope and, and, and uh, they can grieve, but not without hope in that case. Mm, that's really good, and you're right. To Ed Welch's point, even is when people are suffering, um, they they can't they can't hear us because that suffering voice is much louder. And so, just the uh, that's right. Just just the presence of having the counselor in the room, and like you alluded to earlier, not necessarily speaking or but just being there, just the presence. Because um, they're having that's a hard, exactly right. Because they're having a hard enough time sensing the presence of God because their story seems to be eclipsing the truth of God's story. So. That's exactly right, because it, it, once again, we get spiritually myopic is the way I would put it, where, where we can only see our own stuff. And, and so by simply being there, and, and the thing is, we always have to remind ourselves as counselors, God doesn't need defending. And, and we need to be able to sit there in, in, in all, uh, with all the fruit of the Spirit just, just coming off of us uh, into that relationship at that moment and letting the Spirit do His work as we seek to just provide them a calming presence because, I mean, you know, it's the old saying, some people operate by the old mantra, when in trouble, when in doubt, run in circles, scream and shout. And <laughs> that's not always the best move for a counselor, if that makes any sense. It's, 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 it's usually better to, uh, to just be calm with them because they need to borrow your faith at that moment sometimes. And, and that's a good way to do it, if you will. It's just but simply taking them to the Word of God and helping them see the relevance that's there. The riches of Scripture are for them. I, I, think, of, I think of Kierkegaard when he, when he talked about uh, the, looking in the mirror when he was reading the book of James. You know, and he said, we were to look intently into the mirror until we can say, it is I to whom it speaks. And he says, and when we walk away from it, we're forever changed. And part of, part of our job is to sit there with them and just hold up the mirror and help them see who they truly are in Christ and what God's up to. Mm. So good. Michael, you got your work cut out for you because there's lots of quotes and lots yeah. of good things that Todd is saying. I hope he's even Well, when he was saying when the life's, uh, when life, you, you know, run and scream and shout, that little, uh, that little expression there, I was thinking, bring uh, bring the scriptures out, but uh, <laughs> yeah, like you uh, change hey, that's it, good. change it to make it work for. Yeah, you. modify that pithy little statement. Yeah, uh, that is great. So put put your new little statement in the show notes, Michael, for us, so we can use it. Right. <laughs> yeah. uh, what I love about what I love about this and how you wrote in the movements, and even just hearing you uh, again today. The, the, the thought of this is what makes us biblical counselors, right? We're not just hearing their, their problems, their fears, their disappointments, their struggles, whatever trial they're in, and just, and just staying there. 
we're listening to it and discerning right. it and helping them struggle and think it through and, and question God and go back to God, right, as far as their story right. is concerned. And that's the joy right. that we get as biblical counselors is because we know God is in this. God is here. And so we just have to go to them. And so what better way than to take them to Scripture, this Psalms particular, right. and help them to retell their story, his story. So good. Yeah, that's it's, it's a beautiful thing. And, and you know, the thing is, and, and this is what I love about our movement from day one, we always understood that, that it's a pastoral function, and we have to roll our sleeves up and get in there in the deep, dark places of people's hearts and walk with them to help lead them out to the light. And so, so by, by, by you know, and I even think of Jesus and the woman at the well in John 4, where, you know, he enters her world, uh, he understands her situation, he relates to her experience, and then he speaks redemptively to her heart. And so that's that's the function of what we try to do on a on a in a session by session basis with hurting people. So in in what we've kind of talked about here, this is what we can do in the session with them, right? Working through these movements and just to yeah. kind of recap that, you have written movement one as he recites his story, going through verses one through six, and then as you move through verses right. seven through nine, he remembers God's story, and then the third portion where it's verses ten through twenty, he retells his story. And so then when you kind right. of send them home, right, we're okay, we have to right. kind of yeah. part ways. Right. And sometimes it's, it's very hard for right. those counselors, right, knowing some of the things that they might mm-hmm. even be walking back home to. What are some of the things that you encourage them to do after your time right. with them? So kind well, of like you know, after so often, homework or Sure, or absolutely. Yeah. Right, right. After, after one of the things that, that if, if they don't, do something with that experience, it won't solidify in their hearts often. At least that's been my experience. And so one of the things I will ask them to do often is I'll have them write out a detailed narrative. Um, and it can be set up in the form of a prayer of lament. Uh, you can actually, you know, actually follow through the movements of a prayer of lament and ask the counselor to place themselves there in, the, in that moment. Have them write it in the present tense. Um, ask them to include as much vivid detail as possible because it's like it's the more we tell a story, the more it becomes part of who we are. Mm-hmm. Well, when they return to, to the next appointment, we have them read that prayer out loud. We make them, uh, we, and, and I'm listening very closely to the prayer. I'm, I'm paying attention to what the counseling includes in the story, but, but honestly, I'm even paying more attention to what they're leaving out. Mm-hmm. Remember, we're the hero of our own story, and, and what we choose to emphasize or not emphasize as we speak that story out loud in front of somebody tells us a whole lot about how we see our character that we're playing in that story. That's great. And so I'm listening, and I'm watching. I'm watching for emerging themes. You know what I mean? If, if during, during that, if, if during that retelling of the story, uh, I'm, I'm hearing things of, of that, that don't sound right biblically to me. I'm taking note of that because, because I'm going to ask the counselee to expand on that. You know, you say you're unloved. Well, tell me about that a little bit more. I want to know. I want to climb in there so that I can understand. I'm not just going to hit them over the head uh, with my Bible at that moment because I need to make sure I'm bringing the proper word to their given moment. But after they talk more about this thing, we, we do what I call go on a glory hunt. And what that simply means is, is I'm looking for those little grace moments that go against the story that they see themselves as. Let's say if they're, t- if they're, if they're uh, the story of a victim, let's say, and I'm listening very carefully, I'm listening for instances where in that story, they're not the victim. And I want to highlight that and help them you know, help me understand this. I understand you're, you're, you've been under the gun on this, that, or the other, but, but boy, it just, I'm having a hard time connecting that being a victim 
talk more about that, that kind of thing where I'm drawing them out. Remember Proverbs 20, verse 5, the, the man of understanding draws the deep water, and you're drawing it out slowly as you talk to him. And I'm calling attention to those connections between God's past faithfulness and their current experience. In other words, if God's been faithful before and they bring it up, I'm going to make sure I highlight that. And I say, well, how do we account for that? Now, what that does is that actually helps them experientially change their trajectory. And they really do see Psalm 77 coming to life because they're saying, oh, wait a minute, that, it, that did happen, didn't it? I had an individual one time, I can share this story because uh, he had it shared in front of the church. I'll give you an example. We talk about that. He struggled with chronic depression uh, since he was 19 years of age. He was in his 50s at the time. And uh, he told me one time that, that, you know, no one loves me. And uh, I happened to be in the sanctuary two days before when he went down front to pray, and 20 people from his small group came and descended upon him, and they were praying and crying and, and all upset, uh, upset for him, lit, you know, lit, calling out for him. And so I remembered that grace moment from, from our worship service. And I just said, well, you know, I know you don't feel loved, but, you know, God does work through his people to show, to show us that he loves us. How do, you, how do you explain or how can you help me understand what happened to you Sunday uh, at the altar? And you could just see lights going on in the fellow's face. And you realize, well, maybe, maybe God does love me. And that's what I mean by being able to take either experiences or scripture or God's past faithfulness and reminding the counselee not only who he is, but whose he is. And so that's what we would do in, in sessions that, that follow Psalm 77, let's say. And so the idea is, though, as that goes on and that interaction occurs over and over again, what ends up happening is their story slowly changes and they start to experientially believe what the Bible said about them in the first place um, so that they really start appropriating and taking responsibility for their real identity in Christ. So that's kind of how we do it. This is not a one-time thing. This is a, this is a, a series of sessions where we're really helping the person. They know cognitively that they believe the word of God, but their experience hasn't caught up yet. And so by bringing these things out that they're overlooking really helps them uh, make that connection and start to take it and believe, believe it and live it. And once again, it is I to whom it speaks. It is I to whom it speaks. It is I to whom it speaks. And they walk away changed. So good. And I love how you use that example because it's a reminder that it doesn't have to be a formalized counseling room. Like these could be things that we're helping, you know, point people to the Lord just in conversations on our Sunday service and in our small groups and stuff. So I love, I love that. Example that's exactly that right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and that, that occurs by being involved with our people, you know? <laughs> yep. Yeah. And I think that's where, I think that's where a lot of, especially, you know, and, and Todd, I don't know your experience, but in talking with people, the idea of counseling and biblical counseling and thinking they've got to be certified and all these other things. And that's obviously we want people to be certified in some regard, but moreover, most of our moments as believers are informal moments mm -hmm. and ministering. That's so. right. That, mm -hmm. uh, but That's I wanted, exactly to, but what did I wanted to go back to uh, something as you were talking and just kind of how you would have them apply that mm -hmm. over a series of sessions and um, really beginning mm -hmm. to have them uh, learn to write out their experience. Um, and something you said earlier, uh, I can't, I think you attributed it to Paulison, but um, that our emotions, mm -hmm. our theological statements, mm -hmm. and so right, that was yeah. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, and 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 how that really kind of plays into this particular you know process of helping them realize that because you made you made the comment a moment ago of you know they understand it intellectually, cognitively they understand it, but experientially mm -hmm. they're not they don't know it, and so therefore 
those mm-hmm. emotions that they're feeling, it, they're not realizing that their their emotions is their theology. It's where it's truly what they believe about God in that moment, and helping them realize that that's not the case. And they see, and if you do it, that's exactly right. And if you do it in a safe way with them, what happens is you can actually train them over a period of time to basically ask themselves when they're having an intense emotion, "What am I doing with God right now?" Right. Do you know what I mean? What What's going on with my with my vertical relationship right now? And that self reflection can be so helpful because because it helps them realize, wait a minute, man, I've got to refocus this thing. I, I you know I'm pointed in the wrong direction. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And so because I I find myself you know doing that uh, actually just even last night um, Thursdays are the days that I counsel mm-hmm. and helping right. them realize that it's just. You know, you you say you believe it, but really your your choices and your emotions clearly are what driving your your decisions and what you truly believe in that moment. And so that's where all of a sudden now I can sh- demonstrate to them the really how important spiritual disciplines are and the purpose. You know, actively, that, this is why that's we exactly right. That's why we do these things. It's we're not just telling you to read the Bible because the Bible says so. It's because it it literally helps reorient your story and seeing it in light of His story. <laughs> so it's good. I mean, it goes down. We are so fearfully and wonderfully made. It even goes down to the very base level of our biology of rewiring our brains. Yeah. You know what I mean? When we, when we, when we meditate on the Word of God, and it, it goes deeper and deeper down into our hearts, so that we can make those changes to where it becomes not awkward anymore, but it becomes the the way we the way we are. If that makes any sense. No, it does. It's funny because I, I said that actually a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I had a guy, mm-hmm. he, uh, and he just wasn't, uh, he's like, oh, I'm not a reader and I'm just not good at reading God's word. Yeah. I just, and it's like, all right, well, he, cause he was getting stuck on, oh, I can't, I, I don't have a good memory and trying to memorize things. Right. Well, it's like, but it's like, but it's helping them understand that <laughs> you can't meditate on something you haven't, you don't have memorized. Exactly. And then that, That's you know, right. meditating leads to ministering to yourself, which kind of goes back to your point mm-hmm. on, you know, looking into the mirror from James and Kierkegaard, right. like you mentioned. So right. helping them mm-hmm. see just how basic and fundamental and really, truly simple it mm-hmm. is. It's just a matter of believing it. And if you say you believe it, like right. in faith, just start whatever that looks like. And that just do it. Yeah. That's right. Just do it. <laughs> just do it. Nike, yeah, That's, Nike, Nike doesn't hey, you know, know that. A, I was like, we need to have a national campaign. Just do it. That would be great. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hashtag this ain't Nike. Uh, but uh, anyway. well, we, we try to memorize scripture like it's a theater line or something versus yeah. where med- meditating right. on scripture will naturally allow it to right, right. be on our heart. Right, which is right. really right. what what's this psalmist is doing is, you know, it's, it's convincing mm-hmm. himself after he's kind of got to that desperate point in his That's heart. Right. Of you know, I, no. Mm-hmm. Let me go back to what when I'm to the end of myself. What's beyond myself, and it's right. God and His promises and what I've known in the past, and mm-hmm. that reorienting their heart and um, their gaze. So yeah, yeah good. it's good. Well, Todd, now that there... that goes that goes. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh no, go ahead, please. I, I was just going to say that's another reason uh, when we look back to get into talk and everything when we enter when we engage them, uh, the counseling relationship is so important because most folks struggle. They don't like to look under the hood of their own internal experiences, especially when they're negative. And if we're, if we're coming across too demanding or too authoritarian, they will, it'll basically, the, the, the vibe we will get from them is let's move along. There's nothing to see here. Right. And so to be able to sit with them like Christ did the woman at the well, for instance, you know what I mean? To where they can open up and have the safety to open up. That's where uh, all these things can become uh, available to them. Because they're not afraid to look under the hood. Right. Yeah, that's good. Wow. That's good. 
Well, Todd, I hope that we can have you on again, but since we have you right now, I did want to just ask a question when you just knowing of just hearing your wisdom here and just knowing your experience in counseling and then obviously you're teaching students, but for the people who are listening here, do you have any kind of final thoughts or encouragement of just, you know, maybe something you learned as being a counseling pastor or uh, something not to do or any types of just tips or wisdom that you could give us as a final thought? Yeah, a final thought would be something like this. Um, And I tell this to my counselors that I'm training all the time. Um, Education is, is vitally important. You really do have to know what you're doing, but it's more important. Here's, here's the way I would word it. Um, it's not what you know, it's who you are. As a counselor, if you want to be effective, you need to you need to incarnate and reflect the glory of Christ to the utmost of your abilities, if you will. And that will that will take care of a lot of uh, missteps you're going to take in the counsel and learning how to be a counselor. But just remember, draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. And behold him, and and you will grow from one degree of glory to another more like him, and then you will be better prepared to lead people from dark places into the light. Bam. (laughs) Mic drop. Love it. Thank you so much. Thanks Thanks for joining us on Speak the Truth. Sure. God bless.